Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome to Talking Timber. I'm Diane Mettler, your host and executive director of the Pacific Logging Congress. This is part one of a two-part episode with Fran Caparata Co., Oregon Forest Resource Institute's, or OFRI's, contract certified wildlife biologist. Fran is also the owner of Caferata Consulting. She's going to tell us about being a wildlife biologist in the Pacific Northwest and helping landowners account for wildlife when considering a forest management plan. First off, we want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation, whose mission is to support sound technical education about the forest industry. If you don't know about these two great organizations, check them out online www.pacificloggingcongress.org and pacificforestfoundation.org. The Pacific Forest Foundation offers thousands of dollars of scholarships each year. If you or someone you know is studying in a forest-related field, you can apply now through May 1st. Just visit pacificforestfoundation.org. Okay, let's talk to Fran and find out how she found her path into the industry as a wildlife biologist. So I think that my my start in this industry really began way back with my dad teaching me the trees of Oregon when I was super little. I can remember um, going on walks in the woods with my parents and being taught all the trees and even being quizzed, especially on the Douglas fir tree. Um, cool. Yeah, it is cool. It, you know, my dad taught me from a really young age how the Douglas fir provided for our family. My family is really deeply connected to forestry. My folks, yeah, we manage a a tree farm called the Caffarata Family Forest, and when one of my brothers is a forester also. But I'm the only wildlife biologist in the family. And I have to say that my path has been pretty darn direct. I earned my degree in wildlife from Oregon State University, and I specialized in forest-wildlife interactions. And this just means that I spent about half my time in the Department of Fisheries and Wildlife and half my time at the College of Forestry. Okay. So, yeah, so I've been looking to find balance uh, and really walking the line between wildlife uh, and managed forests. It's really been it's really been my mantra since I can remember. Um, and then after college, I worked several seasonal jobs, uh, including, you know, trapping for small mammals, uh, conducting stand exams, was just checking stocking levels for little Douglas fir trees. I've counted oh, deer. Neat. I've looked for <laughs> yeah. I've looked for northern spotted owls, which means I'm comfortable in the woods uh, at night by myself. And then <laughs> super scary uh, encounters with cougars and bears and you name it. I've probably done it from that standpoint. And then and then I worked for a forestry consulting firm before starting my own wildlife business, which is Caffarata Consulting. And so I have a few people that work for me, and we work on a lot of different projects, but our main focus is to work directly with the timber companies in Oregon and Washington to manage intentionally for wildlife. So we've, yeah, we've developed wildlife management plans for over a half a million acres in Western Oregon now. That's of several different companies. And then we help our clients implement those wildlife plans as well. And then... So I guess I've been working as a consulting wildlife biologist now for 20 years, which kind of blows my mind. And then 10 of those, (laughs) (laughs) 10 of those have been on my own. And I started as uh, Oregon Forest Resources Institute contract wildlife biologist back in 2010. Okay. So they're just sort of one of your clients then? They are one of my clients. They're an important client of mine and I love the work that I get to do for OFRI. 
um, but I work for other companies as well and okay. agencies. Mm-hmm. So for Ofri, what is it that you do? It yeah. might be different from other com- companies? Or? Yeah, the Ofri project is is really different and it's it's really awesome. So I work on Ofri's Wildlife and Managed Forest Program, and that's under the direction of Julie Woodward, and it's part of the Landowner Education Program. And I think that people have heard about that in a previous episode of Talking Timber with Mike Clousey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the specifically the Wildlife and Managed Forest Program focuses on two main points. And so we work really hard to elevate the public's understanding of the role that the managed forest has for wildlife. And one of our main messages there is that all ages of forests provide habitat for wildlife. And then we also aim to help landowners have a better understanding of how to manage intentionally for wildlife in their everyday forest operations. So how do you go about doing that? Well, we do. So we we work towards those goals um, in a number of different ways, and we do that by um, you know, holding tours, writing r- written reports, writing blogs. We even have tweets, um, workshops, fact sheets, and we always everything that we communicate to our audience is is comes directly from the research and the science around managing for wildlife in working forests. And so, you know, probably one of the most successful events that we've had was we put on a wildlife session um, in conjunction with the National Society of American Foresters meeting. It was held in Portland. I start to lose track of time, but I think it was um, a year and a half or two years ago. And so we worked to bring wildlife biologists and foresters together in one place to talk about current issues on forest wildlife in the Pacific Northwest. And what was crazy is like, you know, this was a wildlife event at a forestry conference and the room was overflowing with people standing out in the hallway. And we discussed topics ranging from, you know, forest pollinators to carnivores. One of our speakers even stood wow. up in the front of the room and took a, like a selfie with the room behind him. Cause he's like, how many people would come talk about, you know, come listen about pollinators and managed forests. So it was really cool. And, and we, we always ask our speakers to relate the research to management actions that can be implemented on the ground. We think that's a really important link. And that's one of the main purposes of our program is to help the scientists communicate their research to the managers. Oh, yeah, great. So for you, do you take some of the information you already glean from other clients that you apply to OFRI, or is OFRI give you the information they want you to communicate, or kind of how does that work? I think it's it's really fluid. I, I'd say it goes both directions. I think I'm a better consulting biologist because of the research I get to do you know, for OFRI and to bring that to a lot of different clients. And then, you know, and then I do research on my own that feeds back into the work that I do for OFRI. So I think, I think it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. So what does one of your typical days look like? My days are so varied and I feel like I'm one of the luckiest people that gets to work in this industry. Some days I might be sitting at my desk and I don't mind um, like today, for instance, where it's just pouring down rain and um, I'm going to be developing content for OFRI to, you know, it's a kind of a crazy time right now. We know a lot of folks are they're stuck at home. And so we want to develop some content just about cool critters in Oregon and, and how you might manage for those. So a lot of folks might not realize we have scorpions in Oregon. Um, you sort of think of those as more of a desert species. Yeah, so, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so we have them. And so I want to develop some content around that just to sort of, you know, bring people some interesting things to read about right now. So you know, like I'm doing that. And then 
uh, a few weeks ago, it was really sunny and nice out, and I was out. Uh, I still look for northern spotted owls as part of my job, so I was out in the woods driving around at night trying to find owls, and, you know, some days I'm deep into spreadsheets trying to figure out um, a number of different things, and sometimes yeah. I'm managing my staff, so I have... I have a lot of variety in my job and I think I'm lucky in that way. So um, the things that you do for Ofri that are different from your clients, what's the roles that you play there? Yeah. So for Ofri, another, another part of our program is probably, and, and really successful is our neighbor to neighbor tours. Mm -hmm. And so we partner with the Oregon Small Woodland Association and we hold tours on family forest property throughout Oregon. We do a few of them a year. Uh, and a lot of times they're associated with the tree farmer of the year. Okay. It's, yeah, it's really fun for me. I get to hang out in the woods all day and talk to a lot of different people about wildlife. So we'll have, you know, several stations set up on the property and they'll learn maybe about forest thinning or forest health. Uh, and then one of the stations will be wildlife. And I get to bring, you know, some management ideas. Um, and it's really, oh, cool. yeah, what's really awesome about it is, you know, a lot of times it's, it's my chance to see things that we've suggested in action on the ground. And so one of the tours planned for this summer is going to highlight um, something called a bio den that one of the landowners that we're working with is in the process of installing on our property. And bio den is a new term. It was coined by one of my colleagues uh, from Port Blakely. Claudine came up with that, uh, the term bio den, but it's essentially like a loose piling of um, the leftover logging material in, yeah. a w in a way that we think will benefit wildlife. And there's some current research happening to find out if we, if they really are successful. I think something will be, we'll use it, but we maybe don't quite know yet who's who? going to be, who, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so we want to know if we think, you know, it could benefit bats. We know songbirds will use it, you know, just as, you know, place to forage. We think yeah. some of the little small mammals will crawl in there. And so that's, you know, I think that's another really great way that we reach people. We want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, two organizations dedicated to sound forestry education. This year, the Pacific Logging Congress will be holding its convention in Palm Springs, California. They will have loads of dynamic speakers and they invite you to join them. For more information on the event, just visit www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, back to Fran. So you've been in this for like 20 years. Have mm -hmm. you seen some changes happening over that time? Absolutely. Yes, there's been so much change. I think the forest industry, it, that's something we, we really want to communicate to the public is how much our industry has changed over the years. I think managing intentionally for wildlife um, is a, you know, it's not a new concept, but but bringing that into our everyday forest operations is new. Yeah. Um, you know, using a multitude of, of people to manage the resource is, is a great way to, to manage sustainably. You know, you have hydrologists and wildlife biologists and foresters and forest engineers, and it takes all those different um, specialties to make it all work. For you, um, are, are you noticing some of the things that you're trying or showing to loggers or even landowners that they're surprised by when they try it or? I don't know that they're surprised, but I'd say they're eager for the information, both our landowners okay. and our operators. So, you know, through OFRI, we, we can even talking about doing an operator's tour where we get out of the ground and talk about 
you know, snag management and wildlife leave trees and downed wood and, you know, all these, we have like my top 10 things that, that everyone can do for wildlife. And a lot of that can be mm. done, you know, right there during a forest thinning operation or a logging operation or, you know, during tree planting, oh. there's a lot. Um, and if you just think about it right then when you're out there, it doesn't even, you know, it doesn't even cost much and it can make a huge difference for wildlife. Oh yeah. So what are one of some of your top tens? Top tens. Yep. I don't know if I can get through all 10, but oh, it's top five. <laughs> How's that? Top five. <laughs> okay. For sure is to maintain any legacy trees across the landscape. So those are those big wolfy trees that, you know, they don't have any value at the, at the mill. They have lots okay. of big limbs and we want those to grow as big as they can grow uh, and stay on the landscape for as long as possible. So I like okay. those to be left on the landscape. And I like any any standing snag that can be left safely to be left. Snags are important for a, a lot of different wildlife species, you know, woodpeckers, any kind of cabinet nesting bird. Uh, if they have limbs on them, they're really great raptor perches. And so they, they're just uh, hugely important and we want snags left across the landscape. They can be tricky to leave just because they, you know, they're, they're already dead. And so yeah. they might fall down and they can be unsafe. And so, you know, we always caution our landowners, you know, please leave them if you can. If it's unsafe, of course, we understand that. So then if they're unsafe and they need to be felled, then that feeds into the third yeah, yeah. thing, which is downed wood. We want lots of downed wood on the landscape. And some of these mm -hmm. are, you know, requirements through the forest practice rules. And so people are doing this already. Um, we, yeah. we kind of like to up, up the amount that's left. And okay. so, yeah, so downed wood is another one. And then um, the fourth is uh, we like to have hardwood trees and hardwood shrubs. So anything that's fruit bearing uh, left across the landscape in, in some percentage that uh, is feasible in terms of still growing new trees, we understand that we need to you know, we're in the business of growing trees to meet yeah. the, the, the wood yeah. demand, but we also want to have uh, flowering and fruiting trees and shrubs across the landscape for our wildlife to eat. Are, is there one that's hard, harder for, uh, you know, loggers to do? I think the hardest one is the, is the, you know, the individual wildlife tree, those big trees and the snags are the hardest ones because, okay. you know, when you leave one of those big trees out there, they take up, they can take up a planting spot or they can be unsafe for some of the operations, but people get it. And I know, I know that they're being left across the landscape. I get to see it. Uh, I'm out there in yeah. the woods with my, my foresters. And, you know, we put that message out through Ofri all the time. We have a new publication coming out, the, um, it's a revision of our Forested's Habitat publication. And so when that comes out, it has the top 10 across the, we have a, you know, the bullet list of those things that we like to see across the landscape. And we know that's getting into the hands of a lot of different land managers and people are thinking about it. 